0: Before we begin this episode, there was some breaking news I need to share. On June the 3rd, Wright State University Athletics has mentioned changes in the programs, and that is eliminating three sports. And those sports are women's tennis, men's tennis, and softball. Now, all three sports have an important place in Wright State University Athletics history, but the one that cuts for yours truly the most is softball. You see, at Wright State, during the spring season, softball is one of the main sports I get to work. Uh, the other one being baseball. And sometimes I broadcast the games on ESPN Plus or ESPN3. And most of the times I'm the public address announcer. So this this cut really hurts. Uh, according to the press release on WSURaiders.com... The move affects 39 student-athletes and 6 coaches, and that will leave Wright State with 11 sports, 6 for women and 5 for men. And with this news, Wright State now must require a waiver to stay in NCAA Division I. Now, I don't see that being a problem just because of the fact that the quarantine, the coronavirus, has really strained budgets across the country, so... I think Wright State will be fine on that, but let me tell you why it really hurts for softball. I mentioned I work pretty much most of the games, and I have worked with the coaching staff. I worked with a couple of head coaches now, and they've all been wonderful to me. Uh, head coach Laura Matthews definitely a lot of fun talking with her, her coaching staff, and the players. And like I mentioned, being the PA announcer or sometimes the broadcaster for ESPN Plus or ESPN 3, depending on what platform we were on that day, it definitely hurts. I mean, for the players, knowing that your sport is no longer offered, that really hurts. For the coaches, they were out trying to work, you know, with all the restrictions put on by the quarantine and the uh, dead period, the no contact period, that's even a better name. But I feel very bad for... Right State's coaches, I feel bad for the right State staff as well because it is not an easy decision to cut a program. In fact, recently, uh, this is from David Jablonski on Twitter about Bob Grant, the athletic director, speaking on a conference call. He calls it his worst day of his professional career and also says it breaks his heart. He's sick about it. It's been an awful day. It's not fair. Like I mentioned, this hurts everyone, and I can only hope that it is a temporary solution. And hopefully softball and both tennis teams will be back in action at WSU before we know it. But we'll have to roll with the dice and see what the future brings to Wright State University. Again, you can find that press release at uh, WSURaiders.com. And I mentioned the tweets from David P. Jablonski. I also do have another little bit of news. It's a little bit more exciting. Uh, Bowling Green State University, you might have heard on, I forget which episode it was now on this podcast, they were dropping baseball. Well, as of June the 2nd, they have brought it back for at least three years when the Falcons alums and fans raised $1.5 million. So Bowling Green baseball is back. Bowling Green. Yes, Northwest Ohio, not in the Sinday area, very good, but a common foe, non-conference foe for Wright State and Dayton, and a MAC member, so meaning that Miami and Bowling Green will get to square off in baseball again. So, a couple words and a couple thoughts for Wright State softball and tennis teams, the coaching staffs, the athletes, and everyone involved. Now, with that breaking news out of the way, let's get on to episode 153. It's episode 153 of the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast, where our special guest is Adam Baum, the sports writer covering the Xavier Musketeers for the Cincinnati Inquirer. We're talking muskies and the Big East Cincinnati sports and more on this edition of the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast. Welcome to the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast with Lee W. Mowen. This is a weekly podcast covering all sports in Cincinnati and Dayton, Ohio. From Lima to the Ohio River and Northern Kentucky, from Eastern Indiana to Madison County and all points in between, this is your source of local Cincinnati and Dayton, Ohio sports. Visit the slash podcast to find your favorite podcasting platform. Music created with the Splash app. Time for another episode with your host, Lee W. Mowen. And on the phone is the beat writer for the Xavier Musketeers for the Cincinnati Enquirer, Adam Baum. Adam, great to have you aboard, and how are you? Oh, I'm doing well, Lee. Thank you for having me. I
1: think, uh, you know, before you called, I was thinking about it. (laughs) <laughs> I think the la- the last time we crossed paths we were in a uh, a small press box. Maybe it was in Williamsburg and we were waiting out a rain delay for a girls high school softball game. Do you remember
0: that? That was at Wright State and yes at I Wright do. At Wright State, yeah. yeah. I think Williamsburg was playing in that game. Yeah. And they lost to North Union 1-nothing. That was a Look real... at you, man. man you, you
1: remember who they lost to? I don't remember that much.
0: I mean, that was that was a great pitched game and, you know, it was nice to see that uh, competitiveness on there but yeah i remember having to wait uh, several hours to that rain delay so
1: yeah i'm just glad they got it in you know i, I was worried about them canceling it for the day and hey you got to come back up here tomorrow that was worst case scenario
0: yeah and didn't you also have a rain delay earlier that day too
1: i, I did i did you got a good you got a good memory lee
0: i I can't take all the credit there that was time hop and that was, uh, <laughs> oh, yeah.
1: it was, you get re- you get reminded of these things I see
0: yeah, I mean some of them are good memories so yeah, but anyway, let's begin. Where are you originally from?
1: I am uh Cincinnati born and raised man I actually I went to elder high school down here and then I went on i I studied English at the University of Cincinnati so, so I've s- been in this the whole way.
0: You stay in the Queen City through and through. That's, That's quite right, nice. man. When did you know you wanted to be in journalism?
1: Yeah, so I actually, um, I had a little bit of a roundabout way to discovering this. Um, you know, I think like most high school people, I really didn't have any idea what I wanted to do. Um, you know, just kind of bouncing through. I played sports at Elder, and I remember my senior year we got to, you get to kind of pick your schedule. So you say, you know, I'm a, I want to take this class, this class. I want a class at this time of the day. A little bit more freedom when you're a senior. And I remember I had my seventh period senior year was my last class of the day. And, and I couldn't decide what I wanted to do. I was down to taking journalism or doing astronomy, <laughs> believe it or not. And the reason that I took journalism, oddly enough, was because the classroom that journalism was taught in was right next to my parking spot in school. So I thought, you know what? This is the last class of the day. I'll be able to leave this class, get in my car within 30 seconds, and be out of the parking lot. I won't have to wait in traffic. So that's literally how I stumbled upon journalism. It's, uh, and, and here we are today, honestly.
0: The astronomy uh, class, if you took that one, that would have been a different path
1: very different and honestly the only reason that one was really even on my mind was i heard that it was uh quite the easy a mm-hmm. but you know journalism really worked out well i remember going through that class and early on you kind of feel out of place like hey i don't really know what i'm doing here and then slowly but surely i started to get more comfortable and you know i started to fall in love with it honestly and it's been uh it's been my passion ever since
0: what was that journalism class like at elder well it
1: was it it was a lot of fun because it you know there we only published we we had a it was called the purple quill it was our student newspaper and we only published it once a month so you know we'd have three weeks to work on a story and sort of ask questions and, and try to find your way and set up interviews and you know, I remember being a part of that and it was like it was really fun because there there was not much restriction in terms of, hey, if you have a good idea, you can bring it forward and then you get the chance to execute it and turn it into this thing. So that was sort of the, my first experience with having, idea, having an idea and then pursuing that idea and seeing it through all the way to this finished product, the story at the end. And I remember this uh, like a great sense of rewarding. You know, very rewarding to kind of see all that through. And then at the end, you have this finished product that, you know, hopefully you're proud of. And that really that really kind of got the ball rolling for me, honestly.
0: And how did that transfer over to UC?
1: Yeah, so when, when I went to UC, I started out in journalism. Um, so that, that tells you right there how quickly that caught fire with me. I mean, we're talking about in the span of the year I made it my college major. Um, and oddly enough, I have another funny story. Um, I was at a party on UC's campus when I was a freshman and we were at one of my best friends, older brother's houses. I ran into him at this party and we started talking and, you know, it came up eventually that I was a journalism major and he was like, Oh, that's interesting. What, you know, what do you want to do specifically in the field? And I told him I was really interested in sports and, and, Believe it or not, he was actually working at the Enquirer in the sports department. You know, he was answering phones, taking box scores, doing all that good stuff. And he was getting ready to leave that job for another job at a different paper. And uh, and I'll never forget, he was like, you know, they're actually looking for someone to replace me. Um, it's, you know, 20 hours a week, something like that. You'll work on the nights and weekends. And I was like, yeah, that'd be great. I had not much else going on. So he gives the Enquirer my name, they call me, I come in for an interview, I get the job, and, you know, kind of the rest is history. I've been at the Enquirer, this is, uh, I just started my 14th year. So I started there when I was a freshman at UC, and, you know, I'm 32 now, so it's uh, it's been quite the ride. I'm looking to see what else, where else this can take me.
0: That's very impressive, too. I mean, not everyone gets that opportunity right off the bat, but you know we're about the same age and that's that's quite a story too.
1: Well, it's a, you know it just goes to show it's like sometimes opportunities present themselves you have to be ready for them and at this particular time in my life it, things just sort of lined up the right way for me and and honestly I had such a blast doing that job at the Enquirer. Mm-hmm. You know, when I was there at night answering the phones we'd get high school box, box scores called into us and you know, between calls, there'd be downtime. And what I would do in that downtime is I would read the stories that were going in the sports section for the next day. So if it, you know, today's Wednesday, if I'm working Wednesday night, I'd be reading Thursday's sports stories while I was working. And it had, it it had this really kind of infectious effect on me. It it really took hold of me. I, I remember reading those stories thinking, man, I hope that this is my name in here one day. So, that kinda that was a great source of motivation for me.
0: Currently you're the beat writer for the Xavier Musketeers, but before that you covered a lot of high school sports. Oh what, yeah. What's the big difference between covering Xavier and high school in the area?
1: Yeah, you know, I think that there are there are quite a few similarities. Um and you know, I'd be remiss to say to not point out the fact that covering high schools prepared me incredibly for this opportunity that I have now for covering college basketball. But, you know, I think that the biggest thing is it's a lot less games. You know, I'm only covering men's basketball. So it's like, but for five months out of the year, that really dominates my life. Um, I follow Xavier everywhere. So you know, there's traveling involved. There's all that good stuff that's not really involved in high school. I mean, in high school, you might drive to Canton, you might drive to Wright State, you might do something like that, but you're not flying to places to cover games. Um, And then the, the other drastic difference that I've noticed is, you know, a lot of interviews and stuff like that they're conducted in a more formal setting like in press conferences you know you might have 20 30 40 50 reporters in there in some cases and you know in high school it's like you're talking to a coach one-on-one or maybe there's one or two other reporters next to you um and and honestly that scenario right there that i outlined being a high school reporter and potentially being the only one there talking to a coach that was great preparation for figuring out how to ask questions and and getting information out of them. Because a lot of times covering college basketball, you might sit through a press conference and you might not even get to ask a question. You're kind of relying on other people's questions and the information that they're gathering. So it it is quite different. Um, It's a little more formal and you can kind of focus a lot more when you're only covering Xavier men's basketball as opposed to when I covered high school sports I think when I first started out, I had like 22 high schools that I was covering, and I had to cover all of their sports, you know, so football, basketball, baseball, softball, swimming, track and field, everything. Um, So it's like right now covering Xavier, it's nice because I can just, I can kind of focus on one thing, you know what I mean?
0: Mm -hmm. I understand that. Yeah. When you were doing high school sports, what were the schools you got to cover?
1: Oh. Oh. I was, uh, I was stationed over on the West side. So believe it or not, elder was actually one of the schools I got to cover. I got St. X, LaSalle, Colerain. Um, I basically got almost all of the GGCL. So, um, you know, Macaulay mercy at the time. Now they've combined into the same school, but, um, yeah, there were about 22 starting out. And then I remember, you know, schools started to get added on and things like that. But, it was cool because covering that many different schools, I got to to meet kids from all over. I got to meet coaches from all over. And, you know, you start to see like, hey, I went to Elder. I had this experience there. But now I'm getting to see what someone else's experience is like at, at Coleraine or at, you know, Northwest, Mount Healthy. So it, it was pretty rewarding and cool to be able to to kind of dip my toe into a lot of different places.
0: Were there any games or athletes that you fondly remember covering?
1: Hmm. I mean, there are a ton, to be honest with you. But, you know, a few of my standout memories from high school sports would be I think it was the, the 2016 um, Division One state football. So th- this was a memorable year because St. Xavier became the first five loss team in OHSAA history to, to win a state championship. So they went five and five in the regular season, snuck into the playoffs. And then once they were in the playoffs, I think they had to win. I think they won three overtime games. So three of their five playoff games were overtime games, including the state championship against Cleveland, St. Ignatius, Cleveland, St. Ignatius came down to Cincinnati in week nine that year. So two weeks before the playoffs started and took it to St. X, they blew them out. And then, you know, St. X goes on this crazy run and they pull, I mean, that, I'll never forget that covering that game and being on the field after interviewing those guys Um, that, that was probably one of the most memorable moments that I've had covering high school sports, honestly. Um, As for athletes, specific athletes, um, David Montgomery, the running back from Mount Healthy. Now I believe he's on the Chicago Bears. He he was probably the single most dominant athlete that I remember seeing. Him and Grant House, a swimmer from St. X, who essentially rewrote the the state record books. Now he's at Arizona State swimming. But you know, David Montgomery, uh, I'll never forget covering some of his high school football games and watching what that kid could do on a football field. It was it was impressive, man, to say the least.
0: I forgot he was an owl, but yeah, yeah that St. X team in 2016, they were the eighth seed. Man, normally when you get the eighth seed, you're just happy to get in the playoffs. But with St. X's run that year, just, I remember that. That was, that yeah. was,
1: that was if crazy. You, if you go back and look at what they did in those playoffs, I think it was in the second round of the playoffs, they beat Coleraine. They had a crazy comeback in that game, won it in overtime. The very next week in the regional championship, they play Sycamore. Mm. Sycamore, I believe it's the furthest they've ever been in the state playoffs. And St. needed just um, – I, I think they needed like a late onside kick. That It, it was just a, a crazy ending. I'll, I'll never forget that run. There should be books written about that run, honestly.
0: Now we talk about the Xavier Musketeers since your time covering them for the Inquirer what have been some of your favorite games and favorite athletes to cover?
1: Well, um, you know, this past college basketball season was my second season covering Xavier. So basically I've gotten to be there for Travis Steele's first two seasons as Xavier's head coach. And it has not, they, they haven't been the most successful seasons. I'll give them that. They are in a little bit of a rebuilding funk right now. And, You know, I think this year presents a great opportunity for him. But for me, um, I got to cover a game this past year down in Charleston. Um, Xavier played UConn. And this was just a knockdown, dragout war. I mean, at the end of the game, I think Xavier had three guys that had fouled out. They had two freshmen on the floor, one grad transfer. I mean, it it was – it, it required uh, a game saving three pointer by Naji Marshall and Xavier ends up winning it in double overtime that was probably the most fun the most hectic um game that I've gotten to cover so far now last year not not to to rub it in Lee but mm-hmm. Z- Xavier played out in Maui at the Maui Invitational and I got to go cover that and you know that was that was remarkable I that's the furthest I've ever been um and Maui is uh, as beautiful as it sounds so and then you know the great thing about covering Xavier is they play in the Big East and you know because they play in the Big East I get to see some of the coolest cities on the East Coast I mean I get to go to New York three times a year I get to go to Madison Square Garden every year for Big East Media Day for the Big East Tournament and you know, generally St. John's has a home arena. It's called Karnaseka. It's in Queens. Mm-hmm. But they get to play a lot of their conference games at Madison Square Garden. So it's, uh, there's no shortage of cool, special moments that I've gotten to experience since I've gotten this job.
0: I mean, the Maui thing, that, that's <laughs> fantastic. But I have to imagine it's tough, you know, getting a little time to enjoy Maui when, you know, you got so much college hoops on tap.
1: It was hard. It was difficult. I found a way, though. I prevailed. (laughs) Um, You know, the the crazy thing is when you're out there, the games, because there's such a drastic time difference, I think it's five hours from from what we are here. Um, You know, Xavier played two games that started at like nine thirty a.m. local Maui time. So those games get over and you kind of have an evening to go out and explore for a little bit. But um, I'll never forget that one. That was cool, man.
0: That has to be a little tough adjusting to local time. I mean, you're still, you know, you got the Eastern time zone, you know, down to a science, and then turn around, basically, you're, you're covering a game in the morning. And was that tough to, you know, put up with? Yeah,
1: it was. And honestly, it, it was easier being there because it's like you know you're in Maui you're here to cover college basketball it's fun you're excited kind of your adrenaline's pumping so you don't feel you don't feel it so much out there for me it was when I came home I'll never forget I flew home the day I think I left at like late on Thanksgiving this would have been 2018 Mm -hmm. and I had like three or four connecting flights to get home it was just a brutal trip home I think I was either in a plane or in airports for like 20 hours straight. And I got home and and I don't think I moved for like a whole entire day. I was just exhausted. It was like, it was coming home from that was hard. You know, going out there was easier. Coming home was harder. Go figure.
0: Yeah, I I could, I could see that. But (laughs) going back to Madison square garden, I mean, that's gotta be a treat to see just because how you know historic it is and you know, the, Big East tournaments there, and this year, uh, UConn's back in the mix. So yep, that'll be pretty nice to see.
1: It will, man. And, and I tell you, this this past year was so weird because you know we're in Madison Square Garden, first round of the Big East tournament. Xavier's got one of the two opening games on the Wednesday night. And if you remember, that was Wednesday, March 11th. That's the night that Rudy Gobert tested positive for for coronavirus. And that's Mm -hmm. also the night that they announced Tom Hanks had it. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'll never forget, we're sitting in that arena and we're watching this college basketball game and it's like, Most of the people in that arena, I think, were thinking about something other than what was on. like. I remember it being very difficult for me to focus on that game because I was just like, what is going to happen with the world? I mean, the NBA season literally got suspended in the middle of that game. And that will that will be a memory that sticks with me for a long time just because of those circumstances and and how that played out. That was uh, that was wild, man.
0: I forget if it was the Big East tournament or the Atlantic 10 one that I uh, – I was at a baseball game and I had the sports notification pop on my phone like, well, it's canceled. It was like – I forget if it was like yeah. 10 minutes before or after uh, the tip-off was supposed to happen. It's like, well, yeah, I, since we're talking about it, the coronavirus, how has that affected you?
1: Oh, it's uh... – You know, luckily, I've been healthy. Um, So have all my friends and family. And, you know, this is this is such a weird time because it's like this thing has affected everyone's lives and, you know, some more drastically than others. Luckily for me, um, the way that it's impacted my work has been has been substantial. Um, I know you follow me on Twitter. You've probably seen. You know, the Enquirer has us sports guys who are helping out in breaking news now. So I've had to go out and cover some things that I'm not really used to covering. Um, And it's honestly, it's been enlightening to kind of see a different side of this job. And you kind of dabble in different things. And, you know, as it pertains to sports, though, it's been really interesting because, it's become so much harder to find stories and things to write about. Obviously, you know, there's no sports being played. There's nothing going on, but on a normal calendar, a normal schedule, business as usual, stories are so easy to find. Um, you know, I've just, I've spent so much of every week reaching out to people looking for ideas. Hey, is there something I can do? Is there a, is there a story here? Um, that's become a big part of my day, believe it or not, is just simply searching for things to write about. So I will be among the uh, hundreds of millions of people who are thoroughly overjoyed when sports fully return. You know? <laughs> I
0: I feel like that's going to be sooner than later. I mean... I hope so, man. Today, the MLS announced that they reached a deal with their players' uh, association to avoid a Yeah, breakout. I saw that. And I was... <sighs> Once I saw lockouts, I was like, oh, great. We're going to start with all this. It would be nice yeah. if we have hockey, basketball, uh, collegiate sports. It would be nice if we have a fall season coming up. But, yeah, it's, um, it's been tough for sports fans just because this is the longest that you know people can recall. There's no sports. There's nothing to talk sports about. And the sports stations, just it, it's been tough all around.
1: Oh yeah, I can only imagine being uh like a broadcaster or on radio every day and you got to fill a set amount of time talking about sports right now. It's how do you do that? Um you know, I think we've also gotten to see a lot of really great creativity in all of this. Um it, it's been pretty cool.
0: It it kind of has. It's been neat to see, you know, how Everyone that depends on sports is able to bounce back and, you know, focus their craft somewhere else. And you mentioned the Enquirer has the sports reporters, you know, covering other things that still affect the Queen City.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: Now, let's talk about the previous Xavier season. You touched on a bit that the Travis Steele years have been both rebuilding, but I gotta say I do like Coach Steele. I think he's a great fit for Xavier and you know, I'm I'm hoping the next year or this upcoming year would be great. But let's talk about last year. What were your takes? What were your you know, outlooks on the previous year?
1: Yeah, you know, they uh <laughs> they they started off great. They're really strong. Um I think I think they're still waiting to kind of find a balance in their roster so that, you know, Travis really has his players in there, guys that he knows, guys that he can depend on. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm curious to see where they're going to go. Obviously, last season didn't end the way they wanted to, but there were some flashes in there um, of moments when I think that they really started to figure it out.
0: I think later on in the Big East play, I, I think Xavier was really, you know, getting hot at the right time. And I forget, who did they give the first Big East loss to? Was that Seton Hall? Uh, they, yeah, they beat Seton yeah. Hall at their place. And that was their first conference loss after like 10 games. And I thought that's the target yeah. point. That's when Xavier's going to catch fire in the Big East. Yeah. Uh, Tell me about some of the games you really enjoy covering and some of them that were tough to follow up on.
1: Yeah. um, You know, all the Big East games are awesome because, because, you know, you get to go to these cool cities and you know that the games are going to be really intense. I think, for me, covering the Big East has been really fun. Um, because those are the environments that you really live for. That's why it's going to be so weird if there aren't fans in the stands, because a lot of those big East games are just, they're fun to be in the arena, you know, to feel the energy. And of course you got, you got the Crosstown shootout every year, man. You want to talk about energy. The, uh, the last two years going to Cincinnati and then Xavier this past season. I mean, those, those arenas are, outside of their minds those people are crazy and you know it's it's just fun to be in there and to watch the those games when there's so much riding on it you know what i mean
0: yeah i mean that uh crosstown game that that's pure cincinnati and that's you know
1: yeah man it's it's amazing those guys do not like each
0: other (laughs) (laughs) that's putting it nicely (laughs) yeah uh can you imagine if that series did get canceled That'd be tough,
1: man. I mean, yeah. a lot of people would be, would be up in arms about that. I mean, th- this is something. It's like a, a citywide holiday when that game is played.
0: Absolutely. I mean, if you can't be at XU or UC, I mean, people are watching it, listening to it. I know I listen to it all the time, and it's just, but like I said, that's Cincinnati, Ohio sports right there. That game, and it's in a
1: nutshell. Yep.
0: I mean, it's got to be—it's got to be crazy, just to be in that in the venue and just feel that atmosphere and just—you know—that's that's the big—that's one of the biggest sporting events in Cincinnati.
1: And I'll tell you, even more is the the practices leading up to that game, the the press conferences leading up to that game. They're like everything is heightened, not just the day of, not just you know when the ball gets tossed in the air it's like you you can tell there there's a vibe and a mood that circulates around that one game that is just it's it's incomparable you know it's like oh I guess it is comparable if you want to you know go Yankees Red Sox North Carolina Duke but Ohio State Michigan but that is uh it's something special man if you ever get the chance you know Come to that game, try to get a credential or cover it. Something, I mean, th- those are those are well worth the time, well worth the trip.
0: I mean, I'd love to be there, to cover it or broadcast it. I, I just, I'd love to be a part of it one day, but we'll see, we'll see where that takes me.
1: Yeah, um, you never know, right?
0: Yeah, you you never know. Uh, let me ask you about the expectations for the upcoming season. Hopefully, we have one. Knock on wood. Okay, I did too.
1: Uh, <laughs> 2020,
0: 21. What do you see out of this Musketeer squad?
1: Yeah, um, you know, I think a lot of questions right now. Fairly enough, um, they lose Quentin Gooden, Tyreek Jones, Najee Marshall's gone. Um, so they're they're losing, they're losing quite a bit. But I'm excited by what they have coming their way. Um, you look at some of these newcomers. They got they picked up two grad transfers, one's a shooter, one's a big man. I think both of those guys look like they'll be able to help. And then you got three new freshmen. Um you got Colby Jones, Juan Odom, CJ Wilcher. CJ Wilcher's a shooter. Um and that's something that Ziger desperately has needed these last two years. He's gonna get some shots and, and you know, I know they're hoping he can knock them down. Dwan Odom is their highest rated recruit. He's a little 6'1", 6'2", point guard, and he will most likely be the most athletic person on the floor every time Xavier takes the floor next season. Um, He is is lightning in a bottle, man. He's quick. He can jump out of the gym. Um, He's got to work on his outside game. He's really good at attacking the basket and creating for others, Um, but he's not a knockdown threat from the perimeter. So – that's going to be something that's interesting with him because I think if he can add an outside shot at some point, maybe it's not this year, maybe it's down the road. He's going to be a lot to handle for some of these teams. I mean, wait till you see this guy play; he can do it. And then Colby Jones, um, he's uh, he might be the most impactful guy newcomer that they have next year. He's you know six six, long, athletic, can move. Um, he's going to be a lockdown defender for them. And then he's a guy that can score, too, if they need him to. So I think they have some nice pieces adding into the mix. Now, they're going to really rely on what I call the core four this year. They, they had a core four last year. The core four I'm looking at this year is Paul Scruggs, Jason Carter, Zach Fremantle, and Kiki Tandy. Mm-hmm. Those are the guys that contributed last year. And I think that they're all uniquely situated to show improvement this year. You know, if you, if you can, if each one of those guys improves, I think that's going to be huge for this team because Paul Scruggs is undeniably going to be the guy with the ball in his hands the most. You know, he's going to be a senior. He's a guy that's proven he can score, uh, proven he can take over a game. They need him to be that vocal leader to kind of get everyone else on board and involved. And then Jason Carter, you know, I think if you look at his last year, he transferred from Ohio University. Mm -hmm. So he has one year left, played with Xavier last year, and I think a lot of his performances were a little bit underwhelming. You know, I talked to Travis about him after the year, and he told me point blank that he is capable of more. He knows he is. Um, I think he needs to play with a little bit more confidence next year. And then, you know, Kiki and Zach Fremantle, they were both freshmen last year. They were all – they were both named all big East freshman team. And, and I, I honestly, I'm very optimistic about those two guys. I think Tiki can be a guy that can score in a hurry and a lot in a hurry. And Zach Fremantle, I think he's going to be kind of the bulldog. He's going to be the guy that gets under the other team's skin. The guy that's tough, unflappable, um, and then the guy that we haven't talked about is a, a big man who redshirted last year, Deontay Miles, a local kid out of Walton Verona. Um, he, he looks like, you know, you want to talk about guys that can go on to the next level and, and get paid to play this game. Deontay Miles is 6'11, and he essentially redshirted this last year because his frame wasn't where they wanted it to be. He didn't have the muscle on that, that they were, you know, that they were looking for. And he's taking care of that, I can assure you that. But for 6'11", the way this kid moves, he gets up and down the floor like a guard. His mobility is off the charts. He's going to be a rim protector, a guy who I think can impact games in a winning way. So I think you look at their roster, and there's reason to be excited, honestly.
0: If you you had to predict um, a record uh, for conference and overall, what would you think Xavier would do this year?
1: Hmm. That's tough, man. Put me on the spot. Let's <laughs> see here.
0: I'm good at that. Well,
1: you are. You know, <laughs> I I think it's fair to say like you could say this about a lot of teams this coming year. I think because of the coronavirus and because there are so many unknowns, we don't know when these guys are going to be able to get together and start becoming a team playing as one. Mm-hmm. I, I think what that's going to equate to for Xavier and for a lot of other teams, I think we may see them struggle early on a little bit. Um, and if you look at Xavier's schedule, they're playing in the Orlando Invitational this year as their non-conference tournament. And Gonzaga's playing in that. Michigan State's playing in that. Auburn's playing in that. They, they're going to play Oklahoma in the Big East-Big 12 battle. They're going to get a Big Ten team in the Gavit games. We don't know who that is yet, and then they're going to have the Bearcats, and that's all. That's all November, December, right there. So they're they're going to be challenged early on. I think I think the majority of their losses will probably come in non conference. I think if they can s- see that through and get through that, survive it. I think they have potential in the Big East now. I don't think they're in line to win it or necessarily mess with the the upper echelon because I think Villanova and Creighton are going to be very impressive, very hard to handle. I think the winner of the Big East is probably going to be one of those two teams. But if you look at the rest of the conference, you know three through eleven is kind of up for grabs. Honestly, I think best case scenario we're looking at Xavier in that third spot. I don't see them. I don't see them going further than seven or eight in terms of the, you know, the bottom of the conference, but I've been, uh, I've been surprised both ways with, with Xavier the last two years, I've been impressed by them. I've been a little let down at times. So I think, you know, knowing Xavier, knowing their history, part of you has to feel like they might be due for a good year. They might be due for figuring it out. Um, so we're gonna see if they can. But that that's that's kinda of where I'm at. I, I think that they can they can get to let's see. I think they can get to twenty wins next year. I think uh that would put them roughly around like twenty and eleven, something like that. I think I think that's a safe bet.
0: I think that'd be a solid resume there. I mean yeah. you know, take a couple in the non conference games and I mean, I think the crosstown is at UC this year, right? It's Correct. supposed to be. Yeah. So that's. Yep. When's the last time Xavier's won at Cincinnati? You know, that's a good question. I think I think they got one there.
1: I think about maybe 2008, something like that. Okay. Cause it, enough- it could be later than that. I know it's been it's been a very long time since uh, UC's won at Centos. Yeah. Um, I think UC's last time they won at Xavier was like two thousand two thousand one, something like that. So it's uh, it's very much a series that that slants towards the home team.
0: Yeah, I, I I'm just thinking about it, just how back and forth it's been. If one team hosts, it's you know very good shot they're going to win it type of thing which i like i mean i like how close that series has been the past few years and i'm still glad it's going on today
1: absolutely man that's uh that's a fun one for sure
0: i forgot to ask i mean as a uc alum (laughs) you're covering you know the local rival team how does that feel
1: yeah, it's uh, it's a popular question that I get. You are not the first. You are not the first podcast host to throw this one at me. So I'm uh, I've had time to think about this and you know weigh how I can respond. But it it is it's it's definitely weird. Um, you know I give credit again to high school because high school prepared me in a phenomenal way for this current scenario right now. Because I mean. Elder, our arch-rival our, our is St. X. You know, we're huge rivals with Coleraine. And when I covered high school sports, a lot of times I had to cover Coleraine beating the brakes off Elder in, in a football game, or St. X beating Elder, or LaSalle beating, you know. It's like, here's the way I explain it to people, is that I care way more about being able to do this job that I love than I do about my allegiance to where I went to school for four years. You know what I mean? And it's like, it's like, if someone was going to tell me if, if someone's going to let me do this and pay me to do this, I can kind of, I can bury all that old stuff. Um, and you know, what I've learned is I've learned to look at it like this. I've learned to look at it like, Hey, when I was at, UC, I had a great time. I made a lot of friends. I went to sporting events. I cheered the Bearcats on. And and it's not hard for me to remember that and think fondly on that. And when I walk around Xavier's campus or I'm covering games, I just think about how those kids and those fans are having their own experience, a similar experience to the one that I had. And I think... The University of Cincinnati is far less interesting without Xavier and vice versa. I think the same thing about Ohio State and Michigan. I think the fact that you have a rival like that that you can go head to head with in all these sports and that, you know, people get so fired up about, I think that's that's a beautiful thing to have and and I'm fortunate to to kind of be on both sides of that fence. So it is it is interesting. I, I've had a lot of people ask me about that, but It's something that uh, I've been able to navigate thus far.
0: You know, that kind of goes the same for me because I announced for not only Wright State but uh, University of Dayton. Oh, yeah. I don't get that question as much, but – there was someone that asked me, you know, who do you root for in that time if Wright State and Dayton's playing? It's like, depends on who I'm working for at the time. But uh, <laughs> it's it's really cool just because you get to work at both D1 schools in town. So I, yeah. I definitely love that. And I uh, echo those thoughts as well. For sure. So we talked a little bit about Xavier basketball. Now, let me ask you about overall Xavier athletics. If there was a sport, The Enquirer asks you to cover any other sport at Xavier. What are you taking and why?
1: Okay, so you said if the Enquirer asked me to cover any other sport at Xavier, what would I take? Yep. Okay. So this is interesting. Um, Because
0: there's a lot of great sports at Xavier, too. I know. I mean – here so
1: where I kind of land on this is like I'm also a baseball guy I love baseball and you know baseball's been a part of my life since I was a little kid I would love to cover baseball but honestly you could make you can make an argument for a lot of sports Um, I think baseball is the the best answer that I can give you know my dad was a baseball guy I'm a baseball guy and there's just something cool about like being outside and covering a game and it could be noon it could be nighttime the lights could be on um that i have a sentimental place in my heart for baseball so i'd probably go baseball
0: and i i love that yeah. answer i mean you know that both d1 baseball uh coaches were at xavier at one point uh for xavier you got billy o'connor now and scott Guggins is at uc yep. so that always adds uh a nice element to that rivalry as well and
1: yeah they're good friends <clears throat>
0: yeah and uh o'connor was his uh right hand coach for a long time i don't know how long but
1: yeah believe it or not uh billy o'connor is one of my good friends we we both went <clears throat> we both went to elder we played football together there we played baseball together And I tell people all the time, I was the bullpen catcher on the baseball team. And one of the reasons I was the bullpen catcher was because Billy was the starting catcher. And there was not a chance that I was ever going to play over Billy. So I just warmed up the pitchers and Billy got to play in the game. So it worked out.
0: And now he's the head coach and, you know, you're covering his school. So that's that's got to be kind of cool when uh, it's
1: a pretty it's a pretty cool connection. I got to admit.
0: I will say I was sad when college baseball was wiped out because I think that upcoming weekend Xavier was heading to uh, Sovereign Cal because yeah yeah I, they were I remember they had a series there it's like man if if someone was covering Xavier baseball that would be a heck of a trip maybe not as great as Maui but hey you could see the Trojans there so that be that would cool. be cool uh, did you catch the news about uh, UC discontinuing men's soccer?
1: I did. I did. Very sad. Um, you know, and I also saw yesterday that some alumni and donors stepped up and basically saved Bowling Green's baseball program. So that, that was pretty cool. I think they made like a $1.5 million donation to restart the program and and help kind of handle the costs of it. So, you know, the hope is that a lot of these decisions aren't aren't extensively permanent that they don't last forever that it's like hey let's kind of let's wait for the economy to bounce back and get our feet back under us and maybe we can roll this sport back out that would be nice because you know you feel for those kids that were a part of that program and put their heart and soul into it and they you know to be told that for circumstances completely out of your control you're no longer a part of this that's that's got to be hard to hear
0: absolutely and the coaches that put in all the time and yeah. effort into that too i mean the head coach was Hilton Days before he stepped down he's a, he's a right state great he coached both teams at wsu at one point and yeah it was, it was sad to see cuz right state and cincinnati were common foes and you know going back to uc and xavier again I mean that rivalry you can't beat it and nope. i forget if it was UC Savior or UC uh, NKU where they played at Nippert and they sold like 8,000 tickets to watch that match?
1: Exactly. Yeah, NKU's got a real kind of burgeoning um, burgeoning soccer program too. So,
0: I mean, NKU's really good at almost all the sports. I can't really think... You know of a team that mildly struggles, but I like the NKU Wright State connection, and I also liked it when John Brennan got the uh, job at UC from NKU. Yeah, as well. I mean, he's a good coach, man. I'm yes. I'm
1: really curious to see what he can do at UC because you look at what he did at NKU and kind of his track record so far. I don't see any reason why he's not going to be immensely successful at UC. You know, give him a little bit of time, let him get his players in the door, and. You know, I think that the, the state of the UC-XU rivalry is incredibly strong.
0: I mean, heck, he won the Big, e, uh, Big East. Sorry. Let's go back a few years talk about when UC <laughs> was in the Big East. No, the uh, American title, uh, the regular season title, his first year. Yeah. And considering how the non-conference season started for UC, I mean, I don't know if people thought that was possible or not. But, hey, I mean – to win a title your first year that's that's pretty impressive so
1: it is he's got a, he's got a lot to build on he's got momentum on his side honestly
0: and you know having three strong d1 programs in the cincinnati area it's great to be a sports fan
1: oh it's beautiful yeah that's why you know right now it's the, the, it just feels like there's this huge void in everyone's lives because we don't we don't have sports right now. Sports kind of unites us, even though depending on who you root for, it might divide you. But it's like your love of sports as a whole kind of brings you all together. So I think that's something that we really need right now.
0: And considering how, you know, the off season went for the Reds, that's more heartbreaking just because I really think that, you know, Cincinnati could have battled hard in the NC Central or NC Central, NL Central. Yeah, and, yeah, NC Central, where'd that come from? <laughs> and
1: then this was a red season that I was so optimistic about. So hopefully that they can find a way to salvage it somehow.
0: I hope so, man. I really hope so. Now, sticking with the previous question where if you got a choice to cover another sport for the Inquirer, now, uh, when you were – between the time you were covering high school sports and now with Xavier, is there any sport that you really want to cover that you haven't got to before?
1: Well, the, the cool thing about high school sports at the Enquirer was, you know, you essentially got to cover everything. Now I will say one of the sports I'm really fond of, and I know that you are too, is I I really like hockey and, you know, there, there are a few programs in Cincinnati that were, part of hockey and you know unfortunately it was never a huge part of our coverage plan at the Enquirer. but i uh that's that's a sport that i would love to cover you know whether it be professional or collegiately just to you know cover hockey for a little bit that would be fun in my
0: opinion adam i i can tell you how much i love hockey we could be here all <laughs> and i just it up but um it, it is a little sad to see that you know ice hockey isn't a big sport in southwest Ohio, that's including Dayton. I mean, up north, I mean, most schools have their own facility, but down here, you know, that's not the case, and you have schools that have to share rinks, and there's three sheets of ice in a span of a mile on 42, and maybe yeah. maybe if you get lucky, you can use the same ice where the Cyclones play. I got to cover Molar St. X uh, this past season, and I, I think that's one of the highlights of my career just because I was in the ECHL barn, you know, calling hockey so but yeah that that series was great and i i loved being there for all of it just because the turnout was great Uh, i think both bands for saint x and uh moeller were there um yeah just a fantastic turnout i mean it was great i I loved being a part of it and
1: yeah i I wish hockey was bigger down here to your point you know I just think it's it's such a cool sport and you know, I, if for whatever reason, it's never really, you know, we do have the Cyclones, uh, the ECHL, and I think a lot of people go out and watch them, but um, I wish that it was, that it was bigger here.
0: Oh, I do too. I mean, the Cyclones battle for a Kelly cup every single year and just, yep. it just, I don't know. I mean, they're technically, no. I'm trying to think are they technically the last team to win a championship in Cincinnati? But
1: Actually, yeah, I think I think that they are. I think you're right about that.
0: I don't know if it's the Cyclones or the Commandos, that indoor football team at uh, the Gardens before it closed down and got destroyed cuz the That's um, a shame. Yeah, the uh, uh, the Commandos only suffered like three losses in their 3 years and they won all three championships. It was it was phenomenal. But then the head coach took a new job and then Franchise kind of shut down, and that was the time we had the Dayton Sharks up here. So, I'm sorry, I'm getting you know. I will say Xavier does have a pretty good uh, club hockey team. If you ever get a chance to watch them, I think they're yeah. At, you know, I've I've heard that actually. What were you going to say? You? I think they're at Sports Plus. I don't know which sheet of ice know what? they play at. I, I think you're right.
1: I think yeah, I have heard that before. That's a good idea. Maybe I maybe I can venture out at some point and find a little Xavier Ice Hockey story.
0: Yeah, I think, I think that'd be cool just because, you know, you don't get athletic scholarships because it's a club team, but at the same time, Xavier and UC are pretty good. So uh, I, I definitely, you know, I recommend that if you could make it out to a game just because hockey's great. I agree, man. And again, I could talk forever on that, but, um, you know, I won't. I promise. Let me ask you this. What is... It like being a sports fan, a sports follower, a sports reporter in Cincinnati, Ohio. It's
1: uh, it's a cliche, but honestly, it's a dream come true, man. I can remember growing up in this town. You know, I was born in 1987. When I was a little kid, the the Reds win the World Series. They beat the Oakland A's in 1990, and I just, sports has been a part of my life for as long as I can remember. And it makes perfect sense to me that it's, it's continued the way that it has, you know, obviously I've gotten lucky along the way, but, um, sports in this town and, you know, I, I think Cincinnati people like to, like to lament and and say that, you know, sports are so special here. I think that they're special everywhere. Um, I think that, The way that people rally behind their teams in Cincinnati and the way that people care um, makes it endlessly interesting to me. And, you know, to that point, it's like you watch a, a new franchise, FC Cincinnati, pop up and people just have flocked to that team and, you know, they support them without fail. And uh, it, it's it's cool, man. It's like I, I tell people all the time, I feel sorry for people that don't love sports. I, I really do.
0: There's a little bit of something for everyone in Cincinnati. and There is. Yeah, FC Cincinnati, that's maybe not as much playoff success as people would like, but I tell you, how they stack Nippert Stadium and how they're going to stack the West End Stadium once that's finally open, yep. I – wow, I just – in such a short span of time, too—that's that's the crazy thing.
1: I know, man. They have—it's—it's uh, it's impressive how quickly they've taken off and, and kind of cultivated a, a loyalty among their fan base. Um, and, and I just—I think that that speaks to to what this town is like and, and what we love, and we love our sports here in Cincinnati, man.
0: Absolutely, it's a great—it's a great city if you're a sports fan.
1: This is true.
0: How has sports changed since your youth, and graduating from Elder and U.C. to working at the Inquirer? What's all changed?
1: Well, I think that the biggest thing, you know, when you you were asking me that, I immediately think about social media. Um, mm-hmm. To me, that that's that's kind of the linchpin in all this. That's that's to me what has driven a lot of the change. I mean, you look at it down here. And I think one of the main reasons that like not as many people go to a high school football game on a Friday night or not as many people go to a basketball game, I think it's because they can access all of the, I mean, a lot of high schools have their own broadcasts and they broadcast the games online. It's, it's quite amazing how, how technical we've gotten with our sports coverage. Um, And you know, I think about when I was back in high school and I was in college, like these things were just getting started and they weren't really being used for sports the way that they are now. I think that the access to information and kind of the immediacy of covering this stuff on social media has really kind of changed things. I mean, you can find out about anything with a quick little, a couple taps of your finger, you know?
0: The interviews I had with the play-by-play broadcasters in the area, uh, the last one I had was Dan Horde. And we always bring up the point with the Internet, you know, with ESPN+, you don't have to be locked into Cincinnati to follow Cincinnati sports. As long as you have the Internet, you yep. will have a way to follow sports wherever you go.
1: I know. It's uh... – it, it's really cool. And and honestly, for us in the sports media business, it's presented more opportunities in terms of how you cover things, you know, the, the decisions that you make, you know, photos, videos, all that good stuff. I mean, it's, it's really kind of just this giant bucket that you, you can try a bunch of different things in there, man. It's, uh, it's interesting i I really get a kick out of it i think sometimes i spend too much time on twitter looking around like most people but uh for the most part i think that the social media and like the advent of technology has really kind of brought something new and fresh to to sports that that i really love
0: absolutely i mean i think social media is a great tool especially for sports you know for people that want to follow it people that want to cover it it's It's great stepping zone. And it's a perfect lead into my next question. For those that want to become part of the journalism career field, what advice can you give those folks?
1: Yeah. So I think the first thing that you need to decide if you're interested in this is you need to kind of pick a lane and you don't necessarily have to stay in that lane. Um, You know, you can kind of You can dabble in this. You can dabble in broadcast journalism. You can dabble in print journalism. You can, you know, if you want to be an on-camera personality, if you, you know, there are so many different subsets that I think it would help to, to pick one and focus on one, but don't necessarily limit yourself to that. Like in my case, I knew I wanted to be a sports writer. So what did I do at the Enquirer? Well, lucky, first off, I was lucky enough to get a job there. And second off, I volunteered for everything. I, I didn't care, hey, there, we need someone to write a gymnastics preview. Do you want to do it? Yes, I'd love to do it. See, if you, it, it, I, I've talked to high school classes and gone back and, you know, answered questions and things like that, and I get to, this is a common question. And I tell them all the time, well, if you want to be a sports writer, you need to do two things, and you need to do them often. Number one, you need to read. You cannot be a good sports writer if you're not a good reader. And number two, you need to write. You cannot be a good sports writer if you don't write. So that means taking chances um, and putting yourself out there and going after stories. I To me, the, those are the two most important things is that if you really want this, you have to be committed to chasing it. And, you know, some doors will get slammed in your face and others will get open. But. Um, I think that the, the greatest things that ever happened to me in this business was number one, I had to work my way up. And number two, the way that I did that was just by simply being relentless. And, you know, I told you earlier on in this call that the, when I worked and I answered phones, I would read stories that were going in the next day's paper. Well, I would read them And I would read them so closely that a lot of times I would find mistakes and I would go up to the copy desk and I would be like, Hey, we're missing a period here. There needs to be a comma or this word's spelled wrong. Little things like that go a long way towards letting people know that you're serious about this and that you're motivated to get this done. Um, obviously I've gotten incredibly lucky. Some of some breaks have fallen my way, but for the most part, If you really want this thing, it has to be a daily, daily part of your life. You know, even if it's as simple as writing a journal every day or doing something that gets your brain thinking in terms of written, writing words and knowing that people are going to consume them. I mean, I'm sure that in a lot of ways, my story is not different from your story. You've, you've seized opportunities the same way that I have, and you've tried to take advantage of them as best as you can. Um, I think that's a big part of it.
0: Basically, it's what you said earlier. Don't say no to an opportunity, and that's how I ended up here. I mean, last year I got to broadcast in Cincinnati for high school football, and yeah, I I'm I hope I'm back this year just because I want to see how the Eastern Cincinnati Conference fares with the three new additions. But absolutely, it's it's you know keep at it, you know never stop, yep. and you have to commit to the pursuit and just work at it so i definitely agree on that yep now let me ask you this what would you like to see in the future for cincinnati sports or media
1: well the the first part of your question is what would i like to see in the future of cincinnati sports i would love to see a title Mm -hmm. um, preferably by the reds or the Bengals. they've let me down the most recently (laughs) Um, I, i would love to see that but in terms of in terms of the media in Cincinnati, I think that we're in this really interesting place. You know, I work at the Enquirer. I'm very proud of the work we do. Um, I think that the TV stations and the radio stations in Cincinnati are endlessly entertaining. I think that they do great work. And, you know, now we have The Athletic Cincinnati, you know, who is technically the Enquirer's competitor, but I respect what they do. I think that they do great work. A lot of their stuff is really compelling. I think. If you look at the current state of affairs today compared to 2007 when I started the Enquirer, mm-hmm. I think there are drastically more opportunities for people to get in the business and, and to be a part of this. Um, I, yeah, I mean, I, I, think, I think that I really like the way things have lined up here in Cincinnati. I hope that it can continue for a long time.
0: As someone that's uh, looking from up north, I, I agree. I mean, Cincinnati's sports media market. I mean, just the media market. It's fantastic down it in, is. in the Queen City. I mean, from newspapers, radio stations, TV stations, and you know, you know, print journalism. It's all down there, and it's you know, yep. it's a great melting pot of you know, covering news and sports down there, and it's something I would love you know to be a part of.
1: Yeah, I, uh, I agree, man. It's pretty cool. And it's like the other thing that's cool about it is, for instance, you and me, we, we haven't crossed paths too often, but I feel like, you know, every time I see or every time we interact, I, I remember those moments. And I've gotten to meet a lot of people like that in this business. And, you know, it's cool when you walk into a press box and you're surrounded by people that you know and that you like, <laughs> you know, it's pretty cool.
0: I also think it's neat to meet you know other people in the field. Just oh, definitely because, uh, for Wright State and Dayton. I know most of everyone there, but uh, when we have high school games, you know, there's press that I've never met before. So that's really cool. That's again how we met. It was a yep. What was that sectional district final? Was that even a regional final?
1: Yeah, I think yeah, it might have been a regional because normally they move those regionals to college venues a lot of times
0: yeah and then the next stop is firestone stadium in akron as well so but man i i still think about that softball game and the uh, (laughs) softball games i got to announce and it's been a lot of great great action although i think most of the local teams in cincinnati dayton uh they didn't advance to akron i could be wrong on that but hey and that's
1: always fun when one of your teams goes on a run you know, and you get to follow them all the way to state. That's uh, that's to me is the coolest part of covering high school sports.
0: Absolutely, I mean, you know, there's stories abound in sports, so yep, it's definitely it's definitely a great field. And Adam, you do great work, and it's always nice to Thank see you on my timeline. Although our last interaction, I think it was someone at spring break during the height of the coronavirus. Oh yeah, and uh, I forget. They were from Milford, I believe, and then I used the Chandler hitting his head on the desk gifts like this is a better reaction to that. But, um, for those that don't know how to follow you or want to see your work, where do they go?
1: Yeah, so all my stuff goes up on Cincinnati.com. Um if you look for if you want to see my stuff specifically, most of it's under the Xavier tab, or you can do a search for my name to see my stories. And then I'm fairly active on Twitter, as you mentioned. My handle is just Adam J. Baum, B-A-U-M. Um, so, yeah, I'd love to uh, interact with you guys. Let me know. You can uh, send me messages, try to anger me like a lot of people do. And, <laughs> and <laughs> No, it's fun. It's it's nice to interact with people a lot of the time.
0: Let me ask this uh, out of the left field question. Do you ever see the Dayton Flyers getting the Big East with Xavier? Ooh, <laughs> I had to ask. I'm, 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 no, I'm dating, I mean, that's so. a good,
1: that's a good question. You know, I honestly, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, I, I think that the big East is pretty soon. They're going to have to make a decision on whether or not you want to stay at 11 teams because 11 teams sort of complicates things. And the fact that it's not a rice a nice round number, um, So, yeah, if they made the decision to go to 12, uh, I think Dayton would definitely be on that list. As much as Xavier fans don't want to hear that, Dayton would be on that list.
0: I mean, you can't tell me that rivalry wouldn't be as strong as – I don't know if it would be as strong as you see, but man, I mean –
1: Oh, in terms of of Big East rivalries, if Dayton joined, um, that would be one of the most ferocious in the conference, Xavier and Dayton. I know that – uh you know Georgetown and Yukon have kind of a an old rivalry and some of those other schools those those competitions run deep Xavier and Butler has I've I've learned since joining this job that that is quite the uh quite the intense little rivalry that they have there so and you know to in my opinion there sh- there should be no shortage of rivalries the more the merrier
0: you know, it's funny that Butler and Xavier are big rivals. When I went to Wright State for college, it was Wright State Butler and I tell you that was a ferocious rivalry. And getting to go to Hinkle Fieldhouse too, that was that was amazing.
1: Hinkle's cool, man. I mean that is you want to talk about history. That's we can talk for a while about that.
0: Absolutely. Adam, do you have any final thoughts before we wrap up episode one fifty three?
1: No man it was good to hear from you obviously you know keep up the good work and my hope is that uh that maybe we'll stumble into each other in another game here whatever it may be however that may look that would be uh that would be fun man
0: That would be fun indeed uh I'll let you know when I'm in Cincinnati and you know if yeah. you're ever up here in the Dayton area give me a shout
1: I will do so man it was it was fun talking to you
0: It was fun, Adam. Uh, That's Adam Baum of the Cincinnati Inquirer, the beat writer for the Xavier Musketeers. And that wraps up episode 153 of the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast. We'll talk to you again for episode 154. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast with Lee W. Mowan to subscribe to the podcast please visit theleewmallon.com slash podcasts. From there, you can choose your favorite platform, such as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, and many more. Interact with the podcast and host on Twitter at theleewmallon and at Cindy Pod. Like the Facebook page, the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast, and download the free Flick Chat app, then search for the local Sunday sports group to submit your future Mowen's mailbag questions. The closing theme is Lights Go Down by Dan Hennig, provided by the YouTube Music Library Collection. This is Lee W. Mowen, and I hope you enjoyed this week's podcast. Please join me again next week on the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast.